This is the day that the Lord has made, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. Good morning and welcome to worship here at Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church. No matter who you are or where you are, we're so glad you found your way to this sanctuary on this Sunday morning. A few important announcements before we begin with worship. For those of you that are are runners or have run a marathon, I believe we've entered mile 20 or 21 of the long race of COVID-19. And so we're glad to be running alongside you and realize that some of us may be feeling isolated and weary and tired of all of this. So please hang in there with us. We are continuing to care for one another, to reach out to one another, and to study with each other in creative and unexpected ways. And of course, this worship is a part of all of that. So uh, we hope that you will turn your heart and your minds back to God with us this morning as we continue the race. If you are a member of Selwyn Avenue, please note that we are in the midst of our season of nominating for a new class of elders. You can reach out to our member Alyssa Sharp or Lou Waple, who are our co-chairs for that committee, if you have information you'd like to share with them. If you are a visitor here with us this morning, we are in the midst of orientation classes as we explore and consider what it might mean to belong to this intergenerational community of faith. Selwyn is very committed to knowing one another, knowing Christ, and knowing our neighbors in authentic and transformative ways. So if you're interested in those classes, you can find my email on our Selwyn Avenue website, and we will make sure that you are included. If you are the parent of a youth or you are a youth, this is the time when you need to be reaching out to Margo Richardson, our youth director, as we make important plans to gather together for our trips this summer. You people have not been together for a while, so this is the way we will reconnect and reconvene our activities in embodied ways through our trips. And last but not least, uh, our sympathy and compassion are extended to several members of our congregation this week as uh, you all grieve uh, the loss of loved ones. Those include Jody and Mike Bolowitz, along with their children, Holden, Nora, and James, on the death of Jody's grandmother, Virginia Grace Rolfe, on January 11th. Sally, Sebastian, Miles, and Millie Schoaf, on the death of Sally's grandmother, Elva Gray Potts Hendricks, who passed away on the 12th. Beth and Dale Ramsey and their adult children, Kara and Adam, on the death of Beth's grandmother, Nellie Jane Mickey Bowles, who died on the 16th. She was 106. And then last but not least, Laura PJ, Emma Lucy, and Sutton Stark on the death of Laura's father, Earl Oberbauer. Earl and his new wife Pam had been married here in this sanctuary last August, and so we we know him and we grieve uh, Laura's loss at this time. His service will be held on February 3rd in Manassas, Virginia, and as those plans develop, we'll be sure to share those with the congregation. In life and death, we belong to God, and we proclaim the promises of of the resurrection even now. Let us worship God. to be holy, speak oft with thy Lord, abide in him always, and feed on his word, make friends of God's children, help those who are weak, forgetting in
please rise as you are able in body or spirit and join me in our call to worship from Psalm 130. Out of the depths of despair, I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my plea. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is great power to redeem. It is he who will deem Israel from all its iniquities. We often fetter over our lives where we have succeeded and failed our doings of right and wrong, carrying our past and worrying about our future. But God calls us to the present, to receive joy and not condemnation, to live in this moment with hope. Let us go before God confessing in unison. Lord Jesus, like Judas, we have betrayed you. Like Peter, we have denied you. Like the disciples, we have hidden in our upper rooms in fear of being associated as one of your followers. Like the scribes, we think we know best. And like your family, at times we think your ways make no sense and we seek to restrain your grace. Yet you remain faithful to us unto death, even death on the cross. We plead for your mercy and forgiveness. We ask that you keep us mindful and you have no circle of preference, that you keep us turned toward you and that you strengthen us so that we do not turn aside, but follow you to the very end. For the victory belongs to you. Amen. Here are words that you may trust that merit full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. To all who confess their sins and resolve to lead a new life, he says, your sins are forgiven. He also says, follow me. Now to the one who rules all worlds, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Friends, believe in the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen. Let us pray together. 
Prepare our hearts, O God, to receive and accept your word. Silence any voice within us but yours, that in hearing we may also embrace and follow your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So here at Selwyn, we are in a sermon series where we are following Jesus through the Gospel of Mark. Uh, in recent weeks, we have followed him to the river for his baptism, and last week we followed him into the wilderness as he was tempted. This week, we will follow Jesus home, where he will reunite with his family. Listen now to our scripture passage this morning. Mark's Gospel, chapter 3, verses 13 through 35. Jesus went up the mountain and called to him those whom he wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, to be with him and to be sent out to proclaim the message and to have the authority to cast out demons. So he appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, and Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Canaanian, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Then he went home. And the crowd came together again, so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to restrain Jesus. For people were saying, he has gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, he has Beelzebul, and by the ruler of demons, he casts out demons. And Jesus called them to him and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man. Then indeed the house can be plundered. Truly I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they have said, he has an unclean spirit. Then Jesus' mother and his brothers came and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. A crowd was around him, and they said to Jesus, Your mother and your brothers and sister are outside asking for you. And he replied, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, in our family, the McLennan household, one of the recurring dinner conversations we have had off and on over the years as our children were growing up involved this question. If you had been born into a family other than ours, and you got to choose which one it was, which family would you choose? Now their choice had to be a family that we knew, not a famous one like the Kardashians or the Kennedys, and they had to explain why they chose this family. Now several Selwyn families were regularly in the rotation, but Suzanne Phillips hold the holds the record for being the most frequently selected. Well, as their mother, it was always insightful and interesting to me to hear their choices and to observe how they changed over time and the reasons why they would choose a particular family. Well, in today's scripture passage, 
we have three different family groups interwoven into one complicated story. Jesus begins by choosing the family that he is going to be with as an adult. It's his group of disciples, the inner circle of people that he wants to spend his life with, the ones that he calls to travel with him, to work alongside him, and to carry on his work after he's gone. Andrew, Peter, James, and John, the rest of them, including Judas, who will betray him, these are the ones that Jesus wanted for himself. Well, then Jesus goes home. He goes to the place where his family of origin resides. His mother and his brothers are there. He's been gone a while, and it's a family reunion of sorts. But rather than running out to greet Jesus and his friends with a big hug and a meal, as you would imagine, his family is guarded. They have heard what the crowds are saying about Jesus, that he's gone a little nuts. And they must have been confused, worried, or embarrassed. And instead of a welcome greeting, they respond by an attempt to restrain him. Jesus was that family member causing a scene. And maybe you can relate to having an unusual family member that you'd rather the neighbors not meet. Now that we live stream and it's available for the whole world to see, I have a few good relative stories that I am not going to share with you today. The third group we have at this gathering are the scribes. These are the brotherhood of religious experts of the law. They have heard of Jesus and have come in person to listen and to critique and to exert any necessary legal authority. These scribes have traveled 70 miles by foot from Jerusalem and upon witnessing and observing Jesus, they determine him to be demon-possessed. Can't you just see it? Jesus brings his new friends home to eat, to rest, and to meet the family. And when they arrive, the illegal authorities show up, they call him crazy, and a shouting match breaks out. It sounds like an episode of reality TV. Family can be complicated sometimes, even Jesus's family. So what are we to make of this complicated and intertwined family story? Well, Jesus welcomes us all into his family. The good, the bad, the weird and the quirky. We are all welcome and we are all invited into the family. Well, that's comforting and easy for some of us. But some people think that they have to get their act together before they can be accepted or loved or welcomed by God. And sometimes people think they're too far gone down a bad road to make it back, that there's no place for them. Sometimes people don't want everyone to be welcome. They want it to be an exclusive family but you can't earn your way into the family and the love of Jesus. That's just not how it works in Jesus's family. This is not a family made up of the best and the brightest. In fact, these disciples that Jesus wanted and called will blunder their way through their life and work with Jesus, and he will regularly have to set them straight. This is not a family of the most faithful, and righteous. Peter denies even knowing Jesus at his most vulnerable time. And this isn't a family only for those who read their Bibles every day or volunteer the most or who give lots of money. There are no tryouts, no cuts, no bids given, 
no standardized tests to prepare for, there are no applications to fill out, no essays to write or interviews. Jesus welcomes us all into his family. The anxious, the depressed, the perfectionist, the doubter, the oversharer, the cheater, the addicted, the judgmental, the scared, the thief, the critic, the wounded and the wounder, the joyful, the resentful, the angry, the peacemaker, the protester, the disciples, the scribes, and even Judas, who he knows will betray him. Family is not limited to biology for Jesus. We are all welcome, not because of what we have done or left undone, not because of who we are, but because of who God is. God is patient and kind, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love that will not let us go. God welcomes and relentlessly pursues you to come home to God's family. This story also reveals to us that our true home encourages, nurtures, and insists that we become who we are intended to be. Jesus arrives home and his family has been hearing rumors and believes that he is out of his mind. He's not received as who he is, the son of God. He is not encouraged to be who he is, but rather his family is distracted and blinded. And as a result, they attempt to restrain him. Is this due to their own fear for him? Is this about their own pride and reputation? Do they fully understand who he is and who he is supposed to become? Restrain is an aggressive verb with an, an intention to hold him back and hold him down. And at this moment, his family seeks to impede his work. And about that same time, the scribes decide and declare that Jesus is demon-possessed. They seek to discredit him. They accuse him of being the son of Satan rather than the son of God. Well, both his family and the scribes are wrong about him. And Jesus spends a good bit of this passage setting the scribes straight breaking free of the lies believed about him, affirming who he is and correcting their negative assessment of him. He doesn't allow his family, people in authority, or his critics to prevent him from becoming who he was intended to be. I can't help but wonder what might be holding you back from being who you are intended to be? And what is holding our church back from being who we are intended to be? True home insists that we become who we are intended to be. Perfectly and wonderfully made beloved children of God who know that we are beloved and want others to know that they are too. And sometimes true home is with our given families, and sometimes it is with the ones we create for ourselves. Lastly, Jesus charges those in his family to do the will of God. As this story comes to a close, Jesus's mother and brother come closer to the scene and someone tells him that they are outside seeking him. And Jesus responds, who are my mother and brother? I always feel a little sorry for them at this point of the story. I wonder if they hear him say it. I wonder if their feelings are hurt or if they realize they were wrong 
and have come to apologize. Maybe they still believe the rumors or are embarrassed at the scene that has been caused and that they still might want to restrain him or get him out of there. Mark doesn't give us that information, and I'm left hoping that there is resolution and peace between them. If not now, maybe later. Sometimes families need a little time and space to work things out, to clear up misunderstandings, to find forgiveness, and to grow, to heal, and forge new paths ahead. Sometimes our families nurture and bring out the best in us, and sometimes we need a little space from them to become and grow into who we are created to be. Jesus doesn't excommunicate his mother and brothers. They too are welcome, like us. But Jesus says that his family, mothers, brothers, and sisters, are those that do the will of God. That's our charge. That's our family creed, our motto, and our culture. That's how we live in this family that we have been welcomed into, by doing the will of God. But how, Jesus? Jesus says it simply, just as I have loved you, love one another. That can seem like a big charge, and it is, especially lately. Our family is bickering a lot these days, and everybody wants to be right, and everybody wants to win. And sometimes it's really hard to best know how to love one another, and we often don't agree on what that looks like at times. It's easy to get distracted by our own pride and our wants and our needs, and it's also easy to become overwhelmed by the needs of our neighbors. If we keep following Jesus, he shows us how and tells us how to love one another. And when you break it down, it's actually a pretty simple family system after all. I imagine if there was a sign in God's home with the family rules on the wall, it would say, all are welcome, love one another to the best of your ability, as much as you love yourself. P.S. We know you will be imperfect, but keep trying. This family home insists we all become who we are intended to be. One of my seminary professors, Dr. Brisson, has a benediction he gives at the end of class and I'll be using it at the end of worship today. And he changes it up at the end each time, but one particular version has continued to stick with me. It contains a phrase that I think fits. Those most at home seek those least at home. I don't know who you would choose if you were able to pick the family you were born into. But I do know that you have been chosen to be in God's family. Amen.
around us, free our hearts to faith and praise. Grant us wisdom, grant us courage for the living of these days. God, source of joy and source of hope, hear our prayers. In the calm of this beautiful day, we are mindful of those who do not know the joys of friendship and community, the peace of life without violence or war. So we lift up to you those people around the world who suffer this day, the poor, the hungry, those facing illness. We lift up to you those places torn apart by war and conflict and by natural disaster. We know that you are already there, compassionate and strong. We pray, O oh God, that you would help us to follow your example. We pray this day for our families and for our chosen families. Be with us in the deep complexities of relationship. Remind us to love others the way you love us and to strive to forgive with the grace that you freely offer us. In the calm of this day, we remember those in our community who are uneasy with worry and anxiety about their health, about the health of those they love, about work and finances, about their children, about education and social lives. We, left, we lift up to you all who are anxious about so much knowing that you are already with them, the still small voice in the midst of the storm, reminding them to breathe and to trust. In the calm of this beautiful space, we give you thanks for this time, for this time set apart to worship. We lift up to you all our praise for the good in life and for the struggles that help us grow. We lift up to you that which we cannot name aloud, we lift up to you our hearts, knowing that you have had them all along. Hear our prayers for the world, for our global community that is suffering under a raging pandemic. We pray that you would grant strength and endurance to our medical workers who continue to tend to those who are desperately ill, comfort families who are grieving and isolated. We pray for our nation and its new leadership Send your spirit of justice, O God, so that they may lead wisely and with justice. We pray all these things and so much more in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, God is the giver of life and the source of all that is good. We acknowledge the abundance of gifts that have been showered upon us. And now we return a portion of them with the hope that they might serve Christ's purpose in our community and in our world. Our text to give number is 704, 
734-9818. Come, let us give to God with joy. dedicate our gifts to God. Let us pray. Generous God, you have given us life. 
a place to live in, and people to live with. Open our eyes to each other and to all our brothers and sisters, especially the poor, the alienated, the oppressed, and the ones outside our circle of preference. Make us humble enough to welcome them and comfort them so that your love of injustice and peace may come to them. Take these gifts of ours, consecrate them and us to you and to the service of others through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Brothers and sisters, may joy and nothing less find you along the way. May you be blessed and may you be a blessing. May light, love's own crucified and risen light, find you and countless others out of every darkness all the way home. And what can we say about home? We all have much to learn about home. But those who are most at home seek those who are least at home. Go now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>